What's up, everybody? This is Angelo coming at you with episode 189 of Spinning Thoughts. We have premiere episodes every Thursday at midnight Eastern on Adobe Radio. Those episodes become available on all podcast platforms the following Monday. We're on Twitter at Spin Thoughts, and our website is thespinningthoughts.com. We've got a really exciting episode for everybody here today. Our special guests are Boys of Fall. And recently, our Canadian contributor, you know him well by now if you've listened to the podcast at least once. Our Canadian contributor, Dan Boyer, recently sat down with the boys of Boys of Fall. Had a really lovely conversation, and I'm very excited to share it with everybody here today. We're going to jam a song from the band as well, as per usual just to give you a taste of just how kick-ass this music really is. Before we dive into all of that, though, I want to maintain a little bit of a trend, a recent trend that I started last episode, 188, where I'm going to start to bring in a little bit more of my opinions and thoughts on some of the things that are going around in the music community, the music scene. I think it's important that at some point, people that have a platform, And believe it or not, I guess I have one. I think it's important that individuals with a platform that they take the opportunity when that opportunity presents itself to try to do good, to try to disseminate positive, uh, thoughtful information. Sometimes people do that and sometimes they do not. And I hope that I am usually giving out the optimistic, good vibes and whatnot. But I also think that I have a responsibility at times to have conversations or at least speak my mind about the things that I'm seeing in the music world that affect me, that affect spinning thoughts, that affect you as fans and listeners and friends, bands, all the hardworking individuals in the music community. I think that I want to make sure that I'm shining a light on the good, the bad, the in-between. So this week, before we dive into our interview with Boys of Fall, I actually want to talk a little bit, you're probably familiar with what I'm going to be uh, mentioning here, but if you're not, then get ready. You're probably familiar with what I'm about to say. So Kevin Lyman, Kevin Lyman, who is the the founder of Vans Warped Tour, he's been doing it for 25 years, and if you're in the know, you know that Vans Warped Tour is basically no more. So Kevin Lyman, he just recently, it looks like on November the 8th or sometime soon, but right before that. He was on Kerrang's Inside Track podcast, which obviously spinning thoughts would have been the better way to go, Kevin. But, you know, if you couldn't get with us, I guess Kerrang's a decent second option. So Kevin was on this podcast. Uh, Fair enough, right? Easy enough. We have a lot of guests on our show. But this conversation that Kevin had on Kerrang's Inside Track, it it has ruffled a lot of feathers. It has upset a lot of people in the music world. I think rightfully so to an extent. I think that there could be more conversation around some of the comments that Kevin has made instead of just bashing the guy. 
and bashing Warp Tour. I get the emotion. I get where everybody's coming from. And that's what I'm here for. I'm here to, to try to bring a neutral perspective to all this. Maybe give a little bit of my thoughts on it as well. But to share with you, I guess, what the people in our community are interested in and talking about and passionate about right now. So we are going to talk a little bit about this uh, podcast like transcript that has been published on a website. I should know what that website is because you should give credit to those who do other work. So as I pull it up, theprp.com, they did a article, Warped Tour founder Kevin Lyman speaks of the band and fan elitism that plagued the latter years of the tour. And I believe that this is not, this is not the original interview or conversation. From what I gather, this is... Uh, an interpretation of it, uh, in addition to actually what Kevin had said. But it appears that this article from the PRP.com is the one that's circulating around the socials, around Twitter, that people are referencing in their, quote, tweets and their bashing of Kevin Lyman and Warp Tour. And again, some of this is probably warranted. He went a little bit above and beyond to really say what he thought and dropped a couple band names in the process, which is where I start to disagree with uh, the approach. So we're going to look over and talk about some of the things that Kevin said. And then I would love to know or hear what you all think about this. You can hit me up on Twitter, at SpinThoughts. The DMs are always open. But shit, it's a lot more fun whenever you hit me up in public so that people can see what you're saying, they can see what I'm saying. We should have a conversation. Discourse, dialogue, it's dying. Let's bring it back. Let's just have a civil conversation. Let's try it out. All right, so Kevin is on this podcast. And he's talking about the ending of Warp Tour and kind of where the wheels started to fall off. So I'm going to quote a few things and then give some opinions. So uh, this is uh, a little bit of information from Mr. Lyman. He says in 2017, it was one of those years. You're going to have these kinds of flows, but man, everything that could go wrong went wrong. There were some controversies for bands that weren't necessarily on the tour at the time. So I want to touch base on this real quick. There's a good friend of mine, Rishi Ball. He is the mastermind, frontman, guitarist of the beloved pop-punk trio Eternal Boy here in Pittsburgh. They're known all over the place, though. So Rishi, of course, just doesn't stop with Eternal Boy. He's been a staple in this Pittsburgh community for a long time that I'm a part of. A lot of respect for the guy. He also runs Four Chord Music, which also puts on an annual music festival in the city of Pittsburgh. And each year, it has progressively gotten way bigger, way better. And I can't wait to see what Four Chord 7 looks like next year. But Rishi does Four Chord Music Festival, and it was Four Chord Fest 6 in October of 2019. And from many conversations that I've had with Rishi about the music world and industry, and, and even more specifically about four chord I can tell you that probably Rishi relates to a lot of what Kevin's saying in this article because it is not easy it is not easy to get together a really impressive lineup of bands that are doing the right things that are relevant in the scene giving opportunities to the smaller lower level as you know I'm not the best way of I guess phrasing it but you get what I'm trying to say you know the up and coming right the, uh, the, the, the sliced bread of the community, I guess. You know, Rishi wants to try to give a light to every category of bands. I think that that was the mentality of Warp Tour as well. It's not an easy endeavor. Attendance to all shows. I mean, you all know, right? You go to shows or you're in bands and, and it's, it's a struggle to get people to come out. They say they're going to go. They sometimes even buy a ticket and then they don't even show up, right? It's tough. It's really tough. I think I understand that and I think I get a lot of what Kevin's trying to say here. I don't know if it came out the right way, though. So, you know, Rishi, I, I've seen his struggles. Uh, harder to get these bands. Attendance is struggling each year. I mean, look, for Four Chords 6 this year, the headliner was The Offspring. This is, this is uh, I mean, a huge band. I, I can't say that I'm a fan, and certainly not after what they did at Four Chord, which I'll tell you about. But, you know, everybody knows who The Offspring is. Well, here you got Rishi Ball doing a DIY festival for the sixth time in Pittsburgh, really helping out the community here in Pittsburgh and really the overall music community. 
The Offspring canceled the day of Four Chord Music Festival 6. The headliner. They played, I think, in Philadelphia the night before. And from what I hear from people, it was a banging performance. And then they didn't play. They canceled this headlining festival. And I also heard that they were seen in the Strip District or something of Pittsburgh while the festival was going on. So look, there's a lot of moving pieces. There's a lot that can go wrong. There's a lot of legal liabilities. I mean, there's just so much to worry about. It's actually probably not even worth doing things like four chord music festivals and warp tour and now sad summer. Like literally, if you were to do a pros and con of the whole entire thing, it's probably not worth it when it's all said and done. Yet there are still these people like Rishi Ball and Kevin Lyman that put financial capital on the line that put reputations on the line, networking, owing favors and stuff. I mean, it's, it's it's not easy. We all get to see the end product, but everything that leads up to it, it certainly is not easy. So, continuing with what Kevin Lyman said, he goes on to state, and then I started to see uh, started seeing the bands. And this is what kind of pissed me off, because in 1997 through 98, Pennywise couldn't judge a band until they met them in a parking lot. So you'd be in line with catering because of our community setting with no dressing rooms. You'd meet the people, they're musicians too. Then I started watching this community tear itself apart from within. That this band would not even meeting these people, they just didn't agree with their music or the way they looked bashing that band online. So what Kevin's starting to get to now in the conversation is things have changed, right? From whenever Warp Tour first started. People grow, the community grows, it evolves. And it's appearing that Kevin's not a fan of the attitude or the, as he's referring to it as, elitism of these bands. Now look, I don't think he's wrong necessarily. I don't think he's maybe right about the bands he actually fucking called out. But I don't think he's wrong. I think that there's certainly a sense of elitism in any industry, especially in entertainment, right? So I don't think he's off base on that. And it is becoming a problem. I mean, look, you see cancel culture, you see Twitter and fans, fan bases going at each other internally. You see that a lot with water parks. You see that a lot with uh, Palais Royale. It's all over the place. So Kevin continues, the bands I thought would have been fantastic for this were bands like Balance and Composure, La Dispute, Touche, Amore, I think that's how you say it. I love those bands. I think they're great musical bands. But their little attitudes of their little community, they don't want to break out of that little community. I said, one, it will eventually hurt your career because you're going to be playing to the same people all the time. You need to come and sing and be in front of new people, basically, is what Kevin's getting to. He's trying to say that Warp Tour was a platform for varying bands of varying genres to meet new people and expand and grow but in that process he drops three band names and is talking shit on them and even one of the bands or a member of one of the bands pointed out on twitter that in that sentence he uses the word little three times while referencing the elitism of these bands you know that doesn't that doesn't come off right i guess it almost comes off as if kevin is being a little elitist in this situation now as the guy who runs Warp Tour for 25 years, a staple of our community, we all know that we've had good times at Warp Tour, right? We've hated some of the lineups. That's part of his concerns, Kevin's. Maybe he is entitled a little bit to a strong opinion. I just don't know if he had to drop the band names. I don't know. I don't know what the point of that is. Uh, I can't see that doing any good, if anything, just creating a little bit more division. So Kevin Lyman continues Modern Baseball, I think, could have been one of the most massive bands out there. But they get caught up in their own bullshit. No one is too precious to break out of your own shell. And I felt they were. And I'd watch their careers and every year I'd send offers. And they'd be like, oh, we don't want to tour with those bands. We don't want to be a Warped-esque band. And I'd be like, dude, Warped-esque bands, Bad Religion, A Day to Remember, some of the biggest bands built Paramore. Okay. That attitude of not wanting to be a Warped-esque band, that's a, that's a complicated, layered conversation because you have two perspectives. One, 
The perspective is, is that Warped Tour started to decline. That they were just bringing in artists and bands that either were really shitty people. And, and there's no question that there's been some shitty, shitty people that were allowed to continue playing on Warped Tour. And I won't give them any kind of engagement by mentioning these people or these artists or these bands. If you're so interested, you can easily find it yourself on the internet. But, you know, why do you call out these bands, Kevin? Why are you calling them out? I don't know. It seems to to make the translation of what you're saying a little bit harder to digest, right? And Kevin's asserting that being a Warped-esque band can actually be a good thing. Now, I don't know. It depends on where you align in this conversation. I wouldn't be embarrassed to consider myself a Warped-esque band. Some of my favorite bands are staples or were staples for a lot of runs of Warp Tour. Hell, I played in a band that played on Warp Tour before. And it was a good experience. It was like the highlight of my little young musical professional career. Warp Tour has done a lot of good things for the community. They've made some mistakes. And now, they're basically no more. So Kevin continues, It got very frustrating around 2017. I was challenged by the fractured fan base, the fractured band base, the sense of community, and what I got involved in this for, and what brought me into punk rock, that I said, you know, if it's changed this much, maybe it's time for me to wind this thing down. 2017, no matter who I put up, it was like, F that band, F that band, where's this band? It was just like, what happened to the acceptance of music and that love of music? And I realized that we had pushed the audience down to a young level. Warped got known as a young tour. But I did that because I wanted young people to get exposed to this music to maybe support independent music for a longer time. It's a noble, that's a noble purpose, Kevin. It really is. And I, I, I do believe, Kevin. I believe that that was always the goal. Did it always come to fruition? No. But fuck, 25 years of a long uh, nationwide, even global at times, uh, tour of this magnitude. I, I got to give credit where credit is due to Mr. Kevin Lyman. But again, I don't know if people are questioning his credibility or what he's done for the community, although there is some questions on, yeah, again, the bands and whatnot that he's had on the tour. But I think that the issue is just how he's coming off in this article on this podcast, I guess, ultimately, where he's talking about band elitism, but it really just sounds like Kevin's a little elite in this situation. I don't know. I'm not a big fan of throwing these bands under the bus, and then ultimately you're throwing the fans under this bus. And Warp Tour is a brand now. It always, it, I mean, it has been for a long time, but it is now essentially a brand. Kind of like what My Chemical Romance was, and still is, and even more so now with the reunions and whatnot happening with them. Just like MCR, Warp Tour is a brand. And we're still going to see things from Warp Tour, I believe. Now, I don't know if we'll ever see a full country, you know, a full run all over the country. But they're already doing anniversaries and little one-offs. And then there's the Warp Tour cruise and all that kind of shit. So here we are, Kevin Lyman, uh, you know, at one point, the, the sweetheart of our music community. Yeah, he even refers to himself, as I'm trying to find it here in my notes, he refers to himself as like the unwilling voice and disciplinarian of the music community. I mean, it's a guy that really, really did things differently. And again, I, I respect Warped Tour and what it's done uh, for the most part. But I am curious if you all have had the chance, the opportunity to dive into the full podcast interview uh, on Kerrang's, uh, their, what is this called? Inside Track Podcast with Kevin Lyman. If you checked it out, if you've been talking about it on Twitter, if you have any thoughts on it, I'm curious as to what those thoughts are. You can share them with me on Twitter, at SpinThoughts. Ultimately, I wanted to bring this up because I wanted to say that I think that Warp Tour had to come to an end. I agree. It was really getting annoying as somebody in the music community that does a podcast, as a fan, as a band member as well. It is really frustrating that whenever you see a Warp Tour lineup go up, that there's more negativity and bitching about the bands than anything. I mean, look, you saw that even with Blink-182 when they went on tour 
who was it, Wiz Khalifa? I don't know. It's not my jam. But people were, like, flipping out. There's nothing wrong with having a diversity of genres and members and artists and all that kind of stuff being inclusive, embracing other people from other genres and other walks of life, right? I think Warped Tour did a good job of that for a while. I also believe that they've fallen away from that. And ultimately, I believe that it's a combination of some of the things that Kevin said, the elitism that he refers to. I I don't call it that. I, I call it band members being savvy, that their band is also a brand. It's also a company. It's also their livelihood. And anymore, we are judged by how and who we are affiliated with. And so, you know, I get I get it from the band perspective. I get it from Kevin's perspective. What I don't get is dropping the band names of those that he maybe has disagreed with in the past. You know, Kevin, you are still somebody in the music community that has some pull that people listen to. And I don't know. I think that you should maybe not talk shit on bands like that. Let me know what you think about all this Kevin Lyman Warp Tour conversation podcast on Kerrang Bullshit on Twitter, at SpinThoughts. And uh, we can continue the conversation there. We have premiere episodes every Thursday at midnight Eastern on Adobe Radio. Those episodes become available on all podcast platforms the following Monday. We're on Twitter at SpinThoughts and our website is thespinningthoughts.com. So as I've been teasing, Dan Boyer recently sat down with our friends in Boys of Fall. Before we listen to that exclusive interview... I want to give you a taste of what this band is all about. And they're all about just being fucking awesome. This is their song, Something to Say, off their latest album, Better Moments. I'm just a pissed off kid from a town that nobody really cares about. Yet I feel like I got something to say. When is it enough? I can't seem to give it up. You find no comfort in the words I say. So
So you just finished listening to Something to Say from Boys of Fall. So this track is off originally their latest album, Better Moments, that dropped in October of 2018 via In Vogue Records. And by the way, I'm a big fan of In Vogue Records. I think they have a nice eclectic artist lineup. And I definitely enjoy the music that comes out of that label. So Boys of Fall, they released Better Moments in October of 2018, but they did not want to stop there. So in 2019, they decided to give us a very nice gold edition. Not deluxe, not reprise, but a fucking gold edition of Better Moments. It's 14 tracks. The back two of them, the, uh, the closing two, are acoustic versions. There's a bonus track. I mean, come on. What more can you ask for? So the gold edition of Better Moments from Boys of Fall, it actually just released not too long ago, September 13 of 2019, and again via In Vogue Records. So if you haven't checked out the gold fucking edition of Better Moments, now you know it exists, and now you know that you should absolutely go and do it. We have premiere episodes every Thursday at midnight Eastern on Adobe Radio. Those episodes become available on all podcast platforms the following Monday. We're on Twitter at SpinThoughts, and our website is thespinningthoughts.com. Without any further ado, my friends, my lovely friends, all of you, I'm very happy to share the exclusive interview Dan recently had with Boys of Fall. Hello, hello, Dan Boyer, Canadian contributor for Spinning Thoughts, and I'm here with Boys of Fall. What's going on, guys? doing we're really excited to be here right now <laughs> yeah happy to have you guys on the show we've uh had our eye on boys of fall and what you've been up to over the last while so it's cool to connect here at uh blackout fest in brantford ontario canada um and you guys are from uh detroit michigan yes yes so talk to me about um the music community in Detroit? Um, I mean, we got really lucky where we grew up. Uh, we, we got to, like, the Detroit music scene is, there's it's a very alive scene, I would consider it. Um, there's a lot of bands all the time. Like, even from the time that we started as a band to where we are now, it's a completely even different scene. There's all new bands. And uh, I don't know. We just grew up a lot, a lot around like a lot of really talented bands and there's a lot of bands that came from the area so there was just a lot of people to like look up to so i don't know i loved being from detroit because it was just something that i don't know we got to be a part of the detroit rock city you know what i mean it was cool absolutely yeah detroit has a reputation for um an active music community absolutely yeah and so um so growing up in detroit you all grew up in Detroit and then how did Boys of Fall um, happen how did you come together um, actually when I was in college um, I met my bassist Eli um, and there were different original members at the time there was a drummer uh, who had started the project and got me involved and then Eli and I are kind of like the true original members that met when I was in college in Adrian Michigan and then uh, from there, over a couple times, there was a couple lineup changes, and then Jake joined, um, and then recently, within, like, I think about two years, you guys have been in the band? Yeah, uh, two years ago, when we decided to uh, come back from our little hiatus that we were on, um, me, Jake, and Eli all came back together, and then uh, Dan and Scott joined us afterwards, so it's been kind of a weird, long process. We've been a band for, like, seven eight years now in total but this band's been together for about two years so right so so talk to me about um the experience of being um a band with eight years of experience it's like for the for yourself um who's been in from the start um how is it different now than when you started uh, when I started, it was just this weird, like, we literally had no clue what we were doing. We were not, 
Uh, I didn't grow up in any sort of um, local scene. Like, I didn't really go to shows or anything. I wasn't even interested in music when I was in high school. Uh, I got interested really in music when I was in college because I was just drawing when I was in high school. And then, like, when we got into the band, like, the entire first four years were me and Eli just kind of trying to figure out even what it's like to be in a band and learn how to write songs how we wanted to. And, uh, you know, as soon as Jake joined, like, it, it was just this constant, like, trying to figure out how to write songs, like, this whole time. And then I think probably about four years into it, we started taking it, like, really seriously, like, actually trying to make a career out of it, I guess mm -hmm. we should say. Mm -hmm. so. so are you at the point where, um, like, have you dropped a day job? Have you guys dropped day jobs at this point or not so much? No. There's been multiple times where we have all had to, like, sacrifice what we were doing at a certain time. I know part of the reason we took a hiatus was we all did drop our jobs for a little while. Um, and, yeah, you know, I dropped out of school. Mike dropped out of his uh, family business and stuff. Um, and so it's been, like, a consistently evolving and changing process, kind of figuring it all out. But I think we're at a point now where... Uh, we, we've all learned to kind of balance uh, day jobs at home uh, while still being able to give this maybe not the full 100% that we need to yet, but it's coming. Yeah. You know, so we're, we're hoping to so we can drop those day jobs soon, you know. <laughs> but my situation, I, I actually have a remote job and I, I work in the morning just from a Wi Fi hotspot on the road. <laughs> nice. That sounds like the perfect job for the touring musician I, I like it it's fun I, I do accounting for a bunch of businesses yeah it's great. that's awesome he doesn't drive and he doesn't <laughs> do anything so it's awesome yeah I bet I bet your bandmates love that part of it right yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> he yells at us about receipts it's great yeah, I, I yeah. Keep us in check. <laughs> do you track the merch then and all that stuff like is that all you yeah, yeah. nice I, I'm, I'm a nerd I'm, I'm a math nerd <laughs> merch guy yeah. yeah since he doesn't drive when we don't have a merch guy on the road he's on merch duty yeah. whenever, uh, whenever we're driving through somewhere and we have like go through a toll road or something and uh we always they like all they're driving and they say uh would you like a receipt and they always say yeah or else dan will scream at me <laughs> some of them laugh most of them have absolutely no idea what we're talking about yeah. and just hand me the receipt so I, I even like Heard it like well late at night when they probably think I'm asleep. I've just heard them say it at like four in the morning. I'm just like they say it every time. Yeah. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, I gotta keep the accountant and the band happy, I suppose. Yeah. So, so talk to me um, with about this lineup. Uh, you've the current lineup of Boys of Fall has been active for about the last two years. How do you um, approach songwriting? Um, I'm interested to hear about that. Um, when I listen to your band, I, I find um, there's a little bit of uniqueness with Boys of Fall in that, like, you know, I'll be listening to one of your tracks and it's like a nice kind of light, poppy, rock song. And then suddenly it's like, oh, metalcore cookie monster growling. And yet it, like, works, you know? So, like, just reflect on that a little bit. How... Um, do you go about songwriting and how do you make um, your unique sound work? So we uh, we kind of, so even before I was in the band like seven years ago, uh, they started off as like Boys of Fall was kind of a post-hardcore band. Uh, there was really no poppy aspect to it besides maybe a singing chorus, but uh, it, it, was, it was a heavier band. Um, but I think at the end of the day, with the writing process, we've never limited ourselves to be a significant genre. Uh, we all have, and it's changed over the past especially five years. since we've come back. Yeah, yeah especially um, after the hiatus, like early on um, in the band's career, I also uh, opened my own recording studio. So we early on were just like learning how to record at the same time we were learning how to write songs because we wanted the ability to be able to record whatever we wrote and absolutely it, it, as simple as that sounds like that's all we really wanted to do was be able to record as we wrote and we got so used to uh like self-producing our own songs and just going through and trying to make certain things sound different than you know this song or like that song and 
Um, it was just this long process that just kind of became, uh, I will sit down at the computer because I record and either Jake or Dan or Eli and us will sit down, um, and we'll basically just kind of form out basically a song based on however we're feeling. Like we'll literally look at each other and be like, I kind of want to write a bouncy song or I kind of want to write a ballad today. Like, let's just, let's just. Is everybody in the mood to do that? Yes, no. Like, if not, what do you want to do? That. And then literally from there, since we kind of openly said what it's going to be, that's where everybody's mindset is on that idea. And then we just go from there. So, I mean, it's it's a weird, it's kind of different every time, but it's that same core element of we just meet, and that's what comes out when we write, and that's it. So. Really like to, to add to that, I'd say we really, a primary focus on us is like, are we just writing a good song? We we're not trying yeah. to be anything. We're yeah. just is this a good song? Yeah, do we like this song? Like do, does it sound good? Is it interesting? Do we find it catchy if that's the case and like okay, cool, we like it, you and know. In, and in the process, I think just our our sound and footprint is on that. You know, we we have we sound a way that we sound and if you know, we write a song that we think sounds cool, that that sound is in there whether it's heavy, soft, acoustic. Yeah. And everybody in the band has pretty vastly different music tastes uh we have a lot of heavy guys in the band we have a lot of just straight pop even r&b influences so like um just all, all these different influences kind of mesh together and create like you know per song it really you know sometimes you can hear some hip-hoppy rap r&b flow sometimes it's you know <laughs> metal screams and Sometimes it's, you know, pop, pop, punk. And, yeah. <laughs> and and the vocals are always written last. We yes. always write all the instruments first. Like, I'm weird about that. I'm not somebody that goes home and writes stuff in, like, a book, like, a lyric book and keeps it because I know what I do, and I, I will write a bunch of lyrics on my phone and think they're really awesome and then never look at them again. Um, and I won't even look at them when I go to write the song. I just always have to listen to the song that we wrote, and then I have to be inspired from there because it's the only way for me to like actually kind of change and keep reforming like my vocals and that type of stuff so i don't know it's a weird process but it works really well for us yeah definitely and i'm i'm sure um as the years have gone on like it's clear that you know boys of fall is not a band that like we're all 19 and we're gonna take over the world like that's you you know what i mean like you're kind of done done with with that we and that we learned. yeah we learned <laughs> we learned how it goes i mean like you know there's there's point zero 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 one percent of bands that get that opportunity and and blow up and for the rest it's literally working long hours and retrying and playing shows that suck and then playing shows that are awesome and it's just this this non-stop process yeah we had our moment of being like we're, we're 19 we're gonna take over the world but Right now, it's we're just trying to write songs that really make us happy and try and make a live show that we enjoy doing because, to us, those are really the only two things that we can control. Absolutely, absolutely. And so um, I'm hearing that that is how you've um, l learned from the experience then over the over the years. Yep. That that boat, right? Yep. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Everything changes. Our styles have changed. Our interests have changed. There's not this. Um, there's not this weird. We used to have this weird, like super emotional connection to each song, and like it just had to be this this certain thing, and like it had to be this. And like nowadays, it's just kind of like we got always. We always got so worried because we learned to write songs through that process that it would always almost be like, I don't think we'll ever write a better song than this. Like we we should hold on to this song. And then it got to the point now where it's just like we might not even be done with an idea and we'll be like, let's write another one. Like it's it that's what's changed a lot over the years is we became less attached and like more so just comfortable in the sound that we have and what we write and the trust that we have in that. So we just kind of are just like, screw it. Like we're just going to write whatever, you I know. Think, I think in terms of just the career of the band, we've all we, we've all kind of learned uh, what's realistic to expect and what's unrealistic mm -hmm. and uh moving forward we just try to keep we, we, we just try to control as much as we can yeah. at the end of the day uh the rest will work itself out if it's meant to be and at the end of the day we're just going to keep making music till we know for sure yeah. and how does that approach connect with um 
the way you go about touring? How do you approach touring now? How do your tours come together? Um, how do they form? How do you decide who you're going to ask to come out with you or how, um, whether you're going to accept an offer or what have you, like, how does your, again, having a little bit more experience, how does, how does that in, inform the way you go about, uh, touring? Well, when we first started and we knew nothing about touring, we literally just thought it was, you became friends of the band and you'd one day just call each other and be like, Hey, do you want to leave for tour Monday? Yeah, sure. And that's not how it works at all. Like it's, it's such a competitive industry that even the smallest things like trying to figure out a tour, like, you know, we'll, we'll get pitched for tours or people will pitch for like tours that we're doing. And it's just like, it's this weird thing. It, it just becomes like, you know, well, what's their style? What do they draw? Like, what is, you know, what is all this stuff, all this stuff. If you have all those right elements, like it kind of becomes a stress free, really fun tour. But there's so many people involved. Like, we now have a booking agency. We work with a FEDA booking agency, and so that's going to be new for us. So we've never actually, like, dealt with a booking agent and done, you know, getting tours booked like that. Uh, we always, like, for this whole year, our, our manager um, who works for 921 Collective, Mark, he uh, he's done a lot of our booking and stuff like that. So it's it's just been this weird, like trying to figure out who we'd sound good with what tour opportunities are like open where the tours are going when the tour is even happening knowing our strong markets yeah knowing our markets like it's it's just become this way more um like there's just this whole list of things you basically have to go through to be like okay yes let's do that tour to add to that too a lot of that is even like out of our hands yes. these these are things that management and the booking agencies are doing and they just kind of update us on things and that goes for other bands in the industry as well like we yeah. we're friends with a ton of bands that sure we'd love to tour with and that but there's just all these different moving parts that uh there's you know like every, like i mean like a lot of people where we're at like we all want to open for a bigger band and that and then um so everyone's kind of looking for that kind of a thing and then beyond that there's the aspect of well do, do they have new material coming out things like that and it's yeah. all these like small things so that be based around a release did they release something recently did we release something recently like there's What's so that? many things that are out of our control that's why like like even like i said like when it comes to that like it's it's really nice to to have this team that we work with of a booking agency and a management because it's like we can focus on our live show and writing songs and like i said like that's the two things that we can control you know overall tour is like so many different yeah, variables just like shrivel in a ball and cry if we had to do all this yeah. <laughs> absolutely absolutely but i you know i think it speaks to um the part of um making music and 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 the things that um bands like yourselves see as time progresses um that the average fan might not see, yeah. right? I talk about this in almost every one of the interviews that I I, I do. Um, is there's a whole side of things that the average person that you know comes to the show and enjoys the music and maybe buys a t-shirt and goes home doesn't see. And I think that goes for like even for bands that are like, yeah, we're 19, we're gonna take over the world. Like, you know, kids come to their shows and don't think about them you know, sleeping on a floor and like maybe getting paid 50 bucks at the end of the year, the end of the at that venue for six hours prior to any fans showing up, being the ones that had to set the merch up and go through all of the inventory. It's, it's like, yeah, I mean, just looking at comments online where you'll see people like they don't want to go to your show here because it's more than 30 miles from their house and it's just like that's literally not how it works i, I you know it's <laughs> exactly exactly and then and then uh at least from my perspective you know speaking to different artists like y you see the ones like yourselves who are a little further along and now it now the part that the average fan doesn't see is there's a, all the stuff you were just talking about. Like, there's a booking agent. Who are we going to go out with? What did they just release? Like, the it the it sounds maybe it sounds bad, but like the business aspects of 
your your music um, become more prevalent as time goes on and your band establishes is that is that a fair read on that the more definitely the more established you become there is just certain things that if you want to like play with the big boys like you have to do i mean it's for every band in our you know every band growing up is trying to get with a manager trying to get with a booking agent and it's if they become necessity when you get to a certain point in your career where you want to share your music elsewhere like you have to do that you on a further note, like even aside from touring and the booking agent, the manager being under a label, like we're under Invoke, uh, it's like, you know, people are like, oh, I want you guys to put out new music. Well, we can't even control when we put out new music. That has to be, you know, a, co- a collaborative effort between manager, band, producer, and label. Yeah, what's the best month and, to release a song? What's yeah. the best day <laughs> of the week to release a song? Will How many weeks in advance do you prepare just to promote that song you know it's like there's so many people and all these people like who don't know anything about that they just see like oh my band's about to release a new song or my band i like's about to release a new song absolutely it's like the end of the thought process they have no idea what all is going into that how many emails behind the scenes are like dude the graphic's wrong (laughs) like change the graphic (laughs) and the challenging thing can be that like next week it's some other band and like you know you've moved the people listening to music have moved on to whoever that band is etc etc so um what is the thing for boys of fall that keeps the passion for music going given all of the things that you have to be aware of and all of the moving parts and all of the things we've just been talking about i mean i'd say that i mean just we we love what we do like when we say like you know focusing on the music and the live show like that's that's what we live for. Yeah, that's that's, our thing. that's why we hired booking agencies yeah. and managers too, is because like you know yeah. that's what we like to focus on. Is and I think for me, and I think uh, I might speak for a couple of the other guys. I think like when it wouldn't, when the music would know, you know, if if it were to take a drop off and we didn't feel right doing this anymore, I think we'd all know. But we've never once questioned doing it for a living and really grinding out and trying to, uh, you know suffer through these hard years to make it work as a career so uh you know the, the passion's just kind of there uh and i think when it's not we'll know but at, for us right now there's no end in sight so yeah i think until the conversation stop of man i'm really excited to meet and write then because <laughs> we text each other that probably every other day or every yeah. week just being like i'm really excited to write guys that's right you know so just that alone can like tell that everybody still is all into creating more music you know for especially as a band that we have had members yeah. in the past you know um pre-hiatus you know when we did come back they were like hey you know i'm not sure like that same passion is there and we're like you know i, I can't be upset at that because i wouldn't want you to, to you know put in this kind of time uh if, if you're not 100 percent sure about it but uh everybody in this current lineup you know the whole reason we're together is because we've never doubted it so and I would think, too, that um, having had an amount of experience, you've you've probably come across people who um, come to you at your shows and such and, and say, um, you know, I listened to your music and it had this positive effect on my life and all this kind of that kind of thing. Does that happen as well? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it happens. And it's such a... Um it's just like nothing that you ever think of when you're writing a song. Like you just you write a song that you really like and you really love and you put it out into the world cuz you feel a certain way about it or when you're writing it or whatever and then when people come and they tell you like how much that specific song affects them or how much they jam it, that's just one of those things that's like that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's, I, it, it's it really is like so- the cherry on top yeah. because you know, we're we're getting our satisfaction just from d- doing this. You know, the writing, the playing, especially playing live shows and stuff. Creating your art. Yeah, yeah. Cre- yeah cre- at the end of the day, creating our art. So, like, when we see positive impact from other people, it's just that 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 to me is just like that confirms like, yep, I'm I'm doing the right thing. You know. That must be just a a, a very humbling experience. It is a very humbling very experience. Yes. I was going to say, it just it sort of feels like it's uh, outside of you, like it's bigger than you when you're a part of something like that, when someone comes up and talks to you about like one of your songs saving their life or 
one of your songs helping them get through like boot camp and in the army like i remember hearing that on one of the last tours like that's incredible to me so for sure absolutely absolutely um well, thank you guys uh, so much for taking some time here with us at uh, Spinning Thoughts. Um, and we're just, as we're about to wrap, um, what is next for Boys of Fall? Um, currently, we are working hard on writing our album, on uh, the third album. Um, that's We're hoping to release it you know, early next year. So that's, honestly, as soon as we're kind of wrapping up these shows, we're just focusing on writing and then we have a big uh hometown we have a hometown holiday show um at the end of the year uh at a big venue in detroit that's like historic and we love it it's called st andrew's hall absolutely <laughs> no we did it is? Okay. and then we're playing a show in lansing michigan with another band called of virtue and they're doing big things from from michigan and um but other than that like really the focus is just writing and trying to create this third album which from the songs we've written like we collectively feel is the best stuff we've written so far i know for 2020 there's we're being shopped for a touring a lot next year um we don't know anything of when and where net yet but we will be out a lot awesome awesome well thank you again uh and just before we wrap is there anything else that uh you'd like to add um, we just released a gold edition of Better Moments not too long ago, so just go check that out on Spotify. We just released a remix of Chasing Lonely featuring Lil Xan. Uh, we did a feature with uh, Kazo. I heard about this. Yeah. <laughs> did a feature with Kazo. Um, so there's a lot of new music out to go check out, so just go, go check it out on Spotify or Apple Music. Awesome. Well, thank you again to Boys of Fall for spending some time here with us at Spinning Thoughts. And until next time, we will share music and spread love. Thanks, guys. Thank you. So that was Dan's conversation with the very lovely Boys of Fall. Their latest album, Better Moments, has a gold edition out as of September 2019 via In Vogue Records. Thank you, Boys of Fall, for being our guest here in episode 189. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at SpinThoughts. Our website is thespinningthoughts.com. And we have premiere episodes every Thursday at midnight Eastern on Adobe Radio. Those episodes become available on all podcast platforms the following Monday. We'll be back again soon. Until next time, make sure you share music, spread love. Sorry.